Hold on, you ready? Yeah. Tired. So tired. Over tired. That is nifty. Uh, this is this is over. You're listening to Overtired. I'm Christina Warren. She she's delighted. This is Brett Terpstra. She's delighted because I just I, I I rigged up this whole soundboard using my stream deck and loopback and uh, audio hijack, so I can just hit a button and play tired soundtrack stuff and so we can do this live and save me maybe five minutes of editing i put like an hour into building this soundboard but right hey. so but i love it actually and it's not about saving time because that's not what any of the things that you build are about it's about the fact that you've done it and um at some point maybe it will be time saving but it's just really cool i'm very excited me too I I just I ordered a bigger stream deck. I ran out yeah. of buttons. I knew that was going to happen because you got the mini. I was like, man, you probably you're probably a, an Excel person if I'm being honest. Cause, but but well, because you can have yeah. folders, right? So yep. like you can have five buttons in a folder, but you always lose one button to the back button, and then you can have it switch profiles so you can get six entirely different buttons depending on what app is in the foreground. But for something like a soundboard, I need it in the foreground, even when I'll talk about it after it comes out. I wrote. Oh, so we'll get to this. We'll get to why I wrote all next week's posts already. Um, but first, I'm currently in a text chat with my cousin, who I don't talk to often, haven't really spoken with her since probably the 90s. Um, but we're catching up and she she's in California. And so like 20 minutes from her, there are fires right now and they've been locked inside for, with the air quality the way it is. How's your end of the West Coast? Real not good. Obviously not as bad as California in terms of, um, you know, the horrors that are happening, like the skies aren't orange and we don't have wildfires breaking out. Although Oregon, which is just, you know, below us does. But the air quality right now, I'm trying to, I'm pulling it up on my phone. The air quality right now is, let's see what the number is, is 237, which is is very much in the very unhealthy category. And like there's this, this color kind of wheel. It's in the purple and there's only one color after that. It's at the beginning of the purple, but there's only one color after that that's like this, this deep kind of mauve color, which I, I'm assuming is like you're you're not allowed to you know go anywhere without a, a a really good filtered mask and on the one hand like i haven't gone outside because pandemic and so like on the one hand i guess it's good that everybody is is forced to wear masks for social distancing reasons on the other hand the the fabric masks don't do shit for this right so you know, this is one of those situations where you really would want the PPE, like like the, the N95 well, masks. Well, what's actually, uh, I can't remember what all the letters and numbers mean. It's pretty, it's pretty intuitive, but I forget. Um, the, the masks that would be best for air quality are not good for viral spread. So like at this point, everyone needs to have at least three different kinds of masks on them at all times. If you're in California, I mean, I, I don't right, need yeah, a totally. mask. 
Right. I was going to say, yeah, because I do remember that, for instance, I, I like the reason that Apple had so many in 95 or in 97 or whatever the number was mass that they were able to to donate because they had like over a million of them was not because they're like, oh, there's going to be a pandemic. It's the same thing with Facebook. It was because of the wildfires. Right. So, you know, um, but the regardless, like all of those types are hard to get, whether they're good for, you know, spreading virus detection or not. And, you know, uh like a cloth mask is better than nothing, but it's it doesn't do shit to actually, you know, filter that stuff out. Like the few times I have been been pseudo outsider or whatever, like, I mean, you can just smell and taste the smoke um, and you can see it visibly because you can't really see anything else. It looks like because, you know, we get we, we get fog in Seattle, but this is not fog. This right. is smoke. <laughs> so we, we've had this before, not this bad, but a couple of years ago. Again, when there were like massive wildfires, we were getting it both from like uh, coming down from Vancouver and then also, you know, some stuff, I guess, wafting over from San Francisco. But these, I'm assuming, we're all getting from from Oregon. So, yeah, no, the uh, 2020, certainly, if you look at the photos, I mean, like between everything that's happening, I mean, it is it is an apocalyptic year. Like, I have to think that some of the religious uh, like insane people not to say that all religious people are insane but like the the people who've been like predicting the rapture and all that stuff right like are super super stoked because See, you know here's the it does thing, look though. like all this stuff is happening somehow i like i grew up in a world where it was constantly well this is a sign of the end times you know this is leading up to armageddon um, right and now all of the sudden these things that clearly are signs of the end don't seem to register that way anymore. I haven't heard one Christian say, obviously, this is the end of the world. That's really interesting. I wonder I wonder how much politics plays into that. I, well, I think it's entirely politics. I think as long as it's them causing the end of the world, then it's uh, it's not Armageddon. It's just a bad year. Yeah. Yeah. It, which is um, kind of disappointing that that's <laughs> right we should all be cheering on uh the apocalypse at this point I, I mean i think so i'm like what's the point of having like a you know of being like apocalyptical and whatnot if you're not going to see like i mean honestly we're very close to you know toads like raining down like that's that's where we're at yeah i've had two great title ideas so far a deep kind of mauve color and apocalyptical i'll decide before the end of the show Fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, quick update for you. Um, since um, your air quality is fine, uh, yeah. how, 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 how's the med situation? Ha. Well, okay. So I actually wrote a, a long post on my blog last week. Um, you know, I, I go through these regular periods of not sleeping, but I never talk yeah. about why very much. Um, and it's partly because I haven't fully understood it until last couple years, but I'm bipolar and I get these manic phases, manic swings, manic episodes. And I'll go through three to five days of not sleeping, getting a bunch of stuff done. Um, they're relatively mild in that, like, I know when they're happening. Like a lot of bipolar people that I hear from, they don't know when they're manic. And they just think they're being normal and making really good decisions when they are, in fact, not. Um, I don't have that problem. 
but I've decided to start talking more about the bipolar stuff. It's super easy to talk about ADHD. Like everyone can smile and nod and it's well understood. And, you know, it's something kids have. It's, it's easy to grasp. Uh, bipolar scares people more though. So it has more stigma and I'm one for uh, alleviating stigma wherever possible. That's good. Yeah, no, I think that's important because I'm not bipolar, but I I am in firm agreement with trying to reduce the stigma around it. And honestly, that's one of the reasons why I, I get, I think, frustrated with people like Kanye West, who, <laughs> well, uh, well, not just him, but also the people around him when like he's so clearly unmedicated yeah. and in pain and then going on like, this is why I stopped even, like, commenting on the stuff that he did, because, like, four years ago, it when we didn't know what the situation was, there was, like, humor to it, right? And and then I stopped about four years ago because I very much got the, it, like, the, you know, it, it occurred to me, I was like, you know what? I think he's bipolar, based on my own experiences with people who have it and and things like that. I was like that, this is what I think it is. And I don't feel comfortable anymore. Like making this into like a joke. Like I'm, I'm just not comfortable with that. Okay. So then, you know, he, he becomes public about it, but it has the manic break, you know, kind of live on stage and whatnot. And then rather than, you know, kind of using that as an opportunity to do anything with it, he doesn't, which is fine. He wants to deny it. He wants to try to pretend like, you know, um, it, it, it's not a real thing. Okay, fine. That That's his prerogative. But I become very bothered by the people in his family and his entourage who see the self-destructive things that are happening and then refuse to do anything about it and enable him to be, you know, running for president and right. and talking didn't, and, and didn't sorry, kim, didn't kim come out on she like did. instagram and talk about it she did and i was actually very happy that she did that but it's like it but it literally took him like talking about his children and his wife and attacking her mother and her mother's boyfriend and you know claiming that he almost aborted his daughter and all this stuff while running for president this is when this all happened for her to finally be like okay He's not in a good place. This is what this reality is. And I appreciated that she did that. But it was it bothered me that it's like, okay, you're completely fine profiting off of it when um when 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 he when he's, you know, putting um, you know, I'm bipolar and I love it or whatever, you know, on the on the cover of one of his albums right. and and he's doing the other like just like the unhinged stuff, which is clearly like what happens when you're in like a manic spiral and you're not being treated, like you're fine profiting off of it. But once, you know, you personally become called out, that's when you're finally going to, like, speak up and say something like, I'm, I'm going to be honest, I'm, I'm not I try not to judge, you know, other people's situations with that too much. But that did kind of bother me because I'm like, I'm glad you said something. And that's really important. But you've you've enabled this to be yeah. totally candid and you've profited off of it. And and that just makes me really sad because he's such a talented musician and I want your perspective on this because I other people I know who are bipolar, one of the things that has kept them many times from being treated correctly is that they feel like they can't create unless yeah. they have, you know, the those the the the, the mania, like they need that right. to create. So and 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 I, I guess my, my question for you is A, do you feel that? And B, and I can relate to that a little bit. Like I've never had um mania, but I have 
had like with depression, depression has has kicked off like really creative, inspirational parts within myself. And it used to be a thing where I could even kind of tie it to my period because of the the hormones I was on with that and whatnot. But then it got to the point that my depression was so bad that I couldn't even create anymore. Yeah. And, And I realized I was like, well, even the good parts are, are, are bullshit. So <laughs> I, I'm not going to be able to, I'm not going to be able to create regardless. So I was just curious, like from your perspective, do you, do you struggle with that? And how have you been able to kind of overcome that? Yeah. So when I'm stable for too long, I, I really start wishing for mania, not because it feels great or leads to good things, but because it's really the only time that I, I feel like I come up with good ideas. Um, I, I, I have had, I've had some good ideas in my life and almost all of them have come during three day coding binges or, you know, whatever happened, whatever I get up to while not sleeping. Um, right. And I do, I do. And, and when I swing to the other end, which is very predictable, there's like, if I have three days of not sleeping, uh, three days of a manic episode, I'm going to have probably three days or four days of depression following it. And once I hit that depression, there's, I just lose interest. All these things that seemed super interesting and seemed like great ideas suddenly are colorless. Um, Nothing. I can't feel anything about them anymore. And I definitely am not coming up with creative ideas or the motivation to make them happen. That happens mostly for me during manic episodes i can i when i'm stable which is i'm stable more often than i'm swinging i'm medicated i've been medicated since my 20s um and i've gotten really good at at recognizing my own symptoms and kind of have my own coping mechanisms for it but when i'm perfectly stable i can be a normally productive person uh my whole life people have lauded my productivity uh, you get so much done. And yeah, for, you know, three, three days a month, I really, I get an inhuman amount of stuff done, but they don't generally see the weeks at a time that I just kind of, I'm just kind of a normal human. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I feel like everyone has productivity issues. I, it's combined with ADHD for me, um, which doesn't help productivity in general, but yeah. In answer to your question, yeah, mania is, I think a lot of the greatest creations uh, artistically have come from manic depressives. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't disagree with that. I guess I'm just curious, like from from your perspective, like how do you reconcile the fact that you can have those those bouts of brilliance, but also know that at a certain point, like it's you know, um, what, what's the term I'm looking for? Like it's diminishing returns. Yeah. Like at a certain point, it's not going (laughs) to continue. And if you don't get back on medication, if you don't find a way to sleep again, you're not going to have those creative spurts. Like that, that doesn't continue on. That's what I'm curious. I think, I think I just accept, like, I don't, I don't feel like I get a lot of choice in the matter. Um, I accept what comes and, like I, the medication I take and I, I never go off my meds. Like my bipolar episodes are not because I went off my meds. Um, I haven't gone off my meds since I started them in my twenties. I think what you're saying is that you have to see that there's, there's bad that comes with the good and you have to kind of 
I, you you have to acknowledge that y there's going to be there's going to be some pain involved, I guess. I don't know. It's a tough question really. I don't think I have dealt with that. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I that I, that's just that's like when I when I look at people who are very clearly like talented but are fighting the realities of that I'm always I'm always curious about that. I think it's the um, uh the epitome of the tortured artist. Yeah. Probably. Maybe that's what that means. Maybe that just means bipolar. I mean, it's possible. I I, I mean, I, there is something to be said I think about great art and people who are in who are depressed or, or bipolar or um have some other form of like mental illness. I think that uh the two are are linked in some way. Not to say that that's the only way that you can produce great art, but it certainly is I think a, a common Right. Uh, for, I for, mean, for there, a lot of art. There are plenty of talented artists that do not rely on chemical imbalances to make their art. I don't mean to imply that. Uh, no, I know you don't. I know you don't. I but I but I do think. I mean, studies have kind of shown uh, that that there are correlations. Yeah. You know that it, it's it's not just something. It's like oh, you know, not it, it doesn't mean every single person, but there are commonalities. Yeah, for sure. With with, ha with having a chemical imbalance and being able to produce really amazing things. Um, which, you know, if you think about it, kind of makes sense because if everything is kind of going normal, that's it doesn't mean the, the output isn't great. It just means the output is going to be more expected, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so have you been doing anything on like your on, on these sleepless binges? Has there been anything you've been working on? Oh, well, like I said, I, I, I wrote a blog post for every day next week. And every one of them was about a project I was working on. And a lot of it had to do with my app bunch weirdly um i got back into developing that and working on the stream deck and uh writing scripts and uh, doing a lot of stuff i go down rabbit holes that uh aren't worth sharing uh which the like when i go down a rabbit hole the one thing that justifies it for me is maybe i get uh a blog post out of it and that helps it builds my my career is built on like rabbit holes um, so like, there's a redeeming factor when I can like turn it into something I can write about, something I can share, uh, something I can provide to people. But so many of my rabbit holes when I'm manic are, I get obsessed with, uh, like the one I wrote about in my blog post was I was working on the command line interface that I made for the app hook. And I have this whole, uh, sub command based interface for it that is self-documenting. Uh, I, I add a comment before each function and it it builds itself at the end. It, it builds RDoc documentation, but I wanted it to build Markdown documentation, even though GitHub is perfectly capable of taking an RDoc document and making it your readme. I wanted it to be a universal format like Markdown. And I spent hours. I spent from like midnight until 10 a.m. just writing one class that would output my documentation as markdown for and let me let me clarify this is for a version of the cli that isn't even public yet this was just for me i'll never i'll never be able to uh i'll this will never benefit me it was a complete waste of time i mean i think that's okay i think that happens sure I just I had a freelance gig I should have been working on 
then that, then that then that's disappointing like yeah. if you add actual work okay then that's that's the part that like that's that's the part that i think that that should be the focus not that you did the thing that won't benefit you but that you had this opportunity to work on something that could have actually been beneficial and you didn't you know in fairness over my over the succeeding 48 hours of sleeplessness i did finish the freelance gig too okay well that's that's good i mean that's <laughs> at least you finished that but yeah. Yeah. Um, to complete non sequitur, because this is my AD, my ADHD as that's what we're um, here for. As I'm, we're all as here I'm listening, for it. As I'm listening to you and as you're doing, you talk about your projects. I'm now playing around with homebrew for the first time in a while on my system and they've updated it and they've changed the they've changed the commands nice. significantly. And I don't like it. I'm not a fan. What are you talking about? So like like brew cask upgrade doesn't work anymore, and I don't know what the new command is to upgrade all of your outdated casks. And brew cleanup doesn't work anymore; it's some new thing. And yeah, those brew, are just the two changes that brew, I've that I've. Brew doctor runs brew cleanup now. I guess so. Uh, In fact, now when I install a new formula, it runs cleanup at the end of it almost every time. Yeah, that 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 it told me, but I'm looking through. It says calling brew cask upgrade is deprecated. Use brew upgrade dash dash cask instead. Oh, okay. Which which sucks because it's like okay, well now and also brew cask lisk is deprecated, and so I'm like okay, well now I have to actually manually upgrade each cask, and so I'm like okay, well tell me to tell me what I can do now to upgrade all of them. Um, and I I I'm on this podcast with you, so I don't have time to read the man page, but I'm not happy about this. There is a script. Um. I'm trying to remember what it's called, but it's like an Uber updater and it will update not just brew, but it'll update your, your Mac OS, uh, update. Is it, is it, it will. Yeah. Is it, is it Mac updater? No, no, it has, it's like an update everything kind of name or something. Um, but yeah, it updates the... your NPM packages. It updates, uh, I can't remember what all right now. Everything okay. that you would normally spend time updating, all of your your gems, your Ruby packages. Okay, I, I need this because I've been using like there's a GUI app called Mac Updater that I really, really like that actually does check, you know, brew stuff. It doesn't check your Ruby gems or your NPM packages. So I want to find this Omni updater that you're talking about. Um, and but I, I do like um, the mac updater but i want to find this other thing but now i'm i'm just annoyed because this is one of those things that i like to run to make myself feel productive and now the the way i do things has changed and i'm not happy about it i uh i just searched my blog for update everything because i felt like i had blogged about it at some point but mac updater was the first result for that i blogged about that in 2019 I'll find they actually that script added, for you. You'll find it. Yeah. Uh, the Mac updater guy is great. He actually added a, um, it's still in development, but he actually added kind of a preliminary CLI tool for it specifically for me, which was pretty great. Very nice. You're so, you, 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 you yeah. I was about to say something inappropriate. I was just, uh, you, you carry a lot of weight. People make you stuff. <laughs> I don't think he had any idea who I was. I just like sent a, a, a tweet thing and he was like, that's a pretty good idea. So, um, so, so you've been updating bunch and uh also um what's what's going on with uh with indie ultra uh um so well fletcher's schedule has been very 
like his personal life has gotten in the way of his development life and the way our code is set up i'm very reliant on him to actually get things published um but the thing i'm running into is a lot of people that are on the beta beta are nvl like longtime nvl users right and nv ultra is ostensibly a replacement for nvl that was always the intention obviously that's where the name came from um and it is a perfect replacement for the way that I use NBL. It basically strips out all the stuff I don't use in NBL and improves the stuff I do use. But I'm realizing there are a lot of NBL fans that do things like click their mouse on stuff. Which and is, you're like, what? And, you, and you're like, what's a mouse? Right. I'm like, you use the header columns in the list view to sort by. Why wouldn't you use the keyboard shortcuts? Um, and NV Ultra like strips out as even more uh, interface Chrome than NV Alt did, at, down to a point where you really have your your list of notes with no previews, and you have a full featured Markdown editor, and there's nothing else on your screen. Um, which is what I wanted. But now I'm second guessing all of that. People are people who expect it to be just like NBL give up on it right away. I've heard too many times about people yep. that are like, I, I got on the beta. I tried it for five minutes. It wasn't NBL. So I went back to so I'm, I'm done. Totally. Right. Totally. I don't know what to do with those people. Um, well, I think that there are a couple of things you could do from my perspective as somebody who kind of straddles the line between being those types of users and being your type of user. <laughs> uh, and, and also as somebody who I guess like now like works directly with, you know, um, customers of widely used software, which is a different perspective than I've had before. Um, I think that first you would, it would be useful to find out like, are there op are there opportunities for them to be able to do what they did before? Like that that's my first question for you. Like can is there a way that if they played with enough where they could configure it and they could use it similar to the way they used some of those things before? Yes or no? There there's always the possibility. The first first hurdle is that Fletcher and I have to agree that a feature should be added. Okay, no, but, but but going beyond that, meaning meaning that a feature talking not talking about like what features would need to be added. I'm saying that like right now when somebody uses the app, are there certain things that they don't know about that they could enable that would make it more similar to what it was like before? Well, in some cases, uh, like if you wanted to sort by date and you were used to clicking the list header to sort by date, now it's a keyboard shortcut because there's no list header. Uh, when you want to when you want to search. Uh, people keep coming to me and saying they're used to clicking in the URL bar and and it it would highlight, your, it would select all when you clicked in it and ours doesn't do that because we never even considered that people were going to use their mouse to get to the URL bar. Like that's just Command L. And if people got used to Command L, they would find it was faster anyway. Um, so yeah. No, like basically we, okay. we removed a lot of the stuff that people seem to be looking for. Okay, well, then that that becomes a problem. Um, and I think that you and Fletcher are going to have to figure out probably this is what you were talking about before, which is are there things that you'd be willing to add back in 
um, or at the very least um, allow an opportunity for people to access in a way similar to what they did before or not? And if the answer is no, then I do think that you probably need to be honest with those people and say, look, the way that you did things before is not going to work. And so if what you like before is is what you want to stick with, then this isn't going to be for you. However, what might be useful would be to do, um, you know, a series of blog posts, videos, or or even like in-app sort of tutorials to show people where things have moved and how it works now. Yeah, that's um, smart. So, so I think that that would that would help a lot just to say, hey, this is how it used to be done. This is what you do now. The other thing, and you know, I know that the name has already been kind of a contentious thing, but. <laughs> But, no, I know exactly what you're going to say, and I agree. Yeah, because the, the the issue is, is that if you're calling this NB Ultra and people are going to be making assumptions that it's going to be like the continuation of NB Alt, and it's really not, it's kind of a rebirth and kind of a, a reinvention, I don't know if you should be having the NB in the name. I I, I agree. Uh, it, it was, uh, we've talked about this, I know, but it was uh, a point of just giving up after going through huge mind maps full of name ideas and never being able to agree on anything. Uh, it just came down to NB Ultra was a clever play on what was clearly going to be our lar our, our largest part of our initial customer base. Um, they would like, they would recognize it. They would find it hopefully clever, but yeah, you're right. If I, if I don't want people to, make direct comparisons to NB Alt, then it was really stupid to call it NB Ultra. Yeah. I mean, I, and, and look, you're not unique in this. A lot of applications go through this and, and naming is hard, but a lot of applications go through this thing where they change things that you didn't realize until you've gotten through the beta process that people are really, uh, they, they use things the way that, you know, you use things. Um, and, uh, they don't use rather they use things in a different way than how you use things and that that impacts your development. And so it is worth looking at, especially now that you have feedback from users, it is worth considering, is this just like a vocal minority of users or is this the vast majority of people who are using our product? And that will require much harder conversations about what direction you want to take things in, because it's very possible for you to be able to say you know what, we're willing to give up some of the older users, maybe have a different name, and we're going to be going after a different user base because this is how we do things. But it also was worth considering, okay, the people who we thought our users were and who they actually are are different. And if we want to actually be able to sell this and market this and make this into something that is sustainable, then we need to make adjustments. Yeah. I think it's going to be a combination of those two. Yeah, I mean, I think so, too. Um, it, it's interesting. Panic is, is sort of going through something similar with um, Nova. Uh, Nova. Mm -hmm. I mean, and and they say this. I, I, I haven't heard them uh, uh, say that, but I'm in their beta and I can just imagine that, you know, Nova is very, very different from Coda. Yeah. And so I actually do think that them selling the name was smart, to be totally honest. Um uh, you know, selling the name to, to to Coda the the web app was was actually pretty smart. So, I um, but I imagine they're going to get a lot of that too from people once it hits general release next week. That a lot of people are going to be like, "Wait a minute, this is not the app that I thought it was." You know, um, 
I don't know. They they have other challenges too. I I will buy it. Um, I I'm I'm proud of them for releasing it, and I want to support them. I'm going to be totally honest. I don't know if I'm actually going to use it. I've become such a Visual Studio Code. I was going to say that, like it's it's hard to beat VS Code for the kind of stuff you want to do. It really is. It really is. And you can, and you can so, make it as shiny and pretty as you want to, but it's got to be that functional to to take over. Well, that's the issue, and and especially you know when you're and and that's that's completely even separate from like the cost issue. Cause for me, I want to support my friends. I want to support indie software. I'm going to buy it, whether I use it or not. Like yeah. that is not an issue for me. For some people it will be. I think the bigger thing though, is it's like, if I'm going to make, if I'm going to switch my text editor, it needs to be significantly better. Like that's why I was stuck with TextMate for so long is sure. that there, it, it took me it, frankly until VS code and a couple of years of VS code for me to be like, Okay, finally, this this is better, and that was completely like I never went to Sublime. Like you went to Sublime way, way, way back, and yeah. I was just I was like I never liked Sublime, so I was just not going to bother. But I'm still yeah. stuck on Sublime. Like I every time I use VS Code, there's something about it that delights me. Like there's so many cool things about it, but I keep over configuring it and then having to like erase my configuration and start from scratch, and then I. I tend to lose interest and go back to what I have very much working in sublime text. Totally. Um, it's VS code is amazing. I'm not, I'm not, I, I can't, there's, I have no major complaints about it at all other than maybe it's too configurable. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I do think it'd be interesting. Like, and it's, it's, well, what's interesting, they've come up with like various extension packs that kind of yeah. can turn it into various versions. You know, right. like there's the Java, um, you know, extension pack. There's, there's one a for Markdown. There's a, there's a Sublime pack that like basically sets up your uh, your key bindings and everything so that it's an easy transition. That's awesome. There, there's a Python like extension, which adds a lot of really good Python functionality. They have now finally like enabled as part of the the main version it's still in preview but they have finally enabled like a, a built-in native settings sync which i think is really cool and and the the extension that would up upload to it just before is awesome but having it natively built in is uh, is cool but what i've suggested to them and and it's it's they're they're looking at it i don't know if it's going to go in this direction or not but i would really love to be able to have distinct profiles that aren't just about like work home but also maybe different workspace types so that i could have Different extensions, different setups, maybe for different scenarios that I want, which I know kind of conflates with how their workspace thing works out. But sometimes you just want to, you know, have it synced across everything and and have a different kind of way that it works. I don't know. I'm surprised you can't um, already do that. You can, but I would like to have it like tied in with with the the synchronized settings. Um rather than having to be like project based like i would like to be able to basically open it up in a certain mode if that makes sense yeah like i would like to be able to just launch okay i want this to be in you know markdown writing mode or i want this to be in like javascript mode or i want this to be in some other sort of thing with certain number of configurations uh like extensions you know a theme configurations fonts whatever um that would be tied to something more than just like saying okay this is my work persona this is my you know, home machine, um, that kind of thing. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, but it does kind of cross into some of the stuff that they already do. And the problem with that is it kind of, which is exactly what you said, is that it does become then this whole issue of like, okay, this is too configurable, right? Which is sort of the thing I'm trying to get around. I'm like, no, just give me like 
like nicely pre-selected defaults. But right. well, so the thing I run into is eventually I have no idea what keystroke is causing what to happen. Like I right. have too many plugins enabled and I don't know what's conflicting with what. And I don't know why suddenly certain text is being inserted when I type certain characters. And um, I think it's because I do too much too fast. Like yeah, if I, I run installed into that one plugin a day and got used to that plugin and fully understood that plugin before I installed another one, I'd probably be in better shape. You would. And I run into the same exact problem that you do where I do the same thing. Like I get super excited and then I'm like, what is even causing this issue? Yeah. And then I'd have to disable them all and go through it again. And then I go through my own rabbit hole of spending all times time configuring my text editor and not actually doing the stuff that I needed to get done. So, yeah, we got from bipolar disorder to text editors in three steps. That is that is peak overtired right there. Honestly, it really is. I was going to say, because our, our, our podcast is about, about three things. It's about Taylor Swift, obviously. It's about mental health and it's about text editors. Yeah. I mean, you could generalize that and say it's about tech, but it really is. It's it, really text editors. It does come down to text editors. Honestly. Yeah. Every, every, I mean, look, everything is, 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 is Vim versus Emacs at the end of the day. And <laughs> Vim. Uh, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> Emacs is a disease. I'm sorry. I don't, I, I, I mean, oh, third, I see people, third title option. Ooh, that is a good one. I mean, like, look, I, I'm impressed sometimes when I see videos of people using org mode and then I'm like, God, no. <laughs> yep. I, I just, I think I never gave Emacs that much of a chance. Vim sunk in for me a lot faster. And I just was happy to leave what little I knew about Emacs behind. I can't, I can't make a, a valid point for point comparison between the two. No, and I don't actually care because I don't use either. <laughs> but um, I, I do like to troll. I see. I use people. I use Vim all the time when I'm SSH'd into a remote machine. And sure. I don't want to download a file and edit it, and and push it back. I just want to edit it right there on the server. So I've gotten really good at Vim for quick edits. And even like w my blog is published via Jekyll and it, it, it builds and deploys on a, a machine in my basement. And uh, if I want to make a quick edit to a post and then, and build it to go live again, it's way faster for me to just SSH in, make the edit, make the git commit and build. Um, so I'm actually, yeah, I've gotten good with Vim pretty much because of SSH. Yeah, see, that's interesting. And then for me, like our mate was, has yeah. been, is you know, I've, I've used that since that's been a thing. Um, so that's like closing I, in a decade now. I actually now. forgot about our mate, yeah. And, and so that, you know, was just thing I used to always just install that on all servers. But now Visual Studio um, Code's remote, option is amazing like yeah. it's so good yeah it is so good and it, it, it actually it's it's even it's amazing on windows even so windows one of my favorite things is is wsl2 which is the windows subsystem for linux which basically gives you all of your linux user land stuff um uh, but um you still have access to all the gui things of, of windows and the first version was sort of slow from an IO perspective because there was 
some emulation going on and like some translating of between calls. And so if you're running like git commands or you're building stuff in, in Python, like it could be really slow. Now, though, it's running in um, like a, a, a virtual machine, but it's a really small virtual machine and it's super fast. So basically what's happened is that even Windows 10 Home is basically using, if you, if you enable WSL2, uh, both the host OS and WSL2 will both run in their own hypervisor VMs. Um, and and th- so that's like running that like the, uh, you know, like the um, like, you know, hardware level. Um, yeah. And and so um, the VM is super quick to, to to boot up. It's super fast. And what this means is that you have basically near native access to the underlying hardware, but also to do any of the stuff that you need to do in WSL2. And they're working on GPU pass-through right now to make that better so that you could do, you know, GUI stuff. But one of the things you can do with a remote extension for Visual Studio Code is basically have that configured to use your WSL2 backend. So if you're in Windows, you are accessing all of the, you know, uh, GNU tools from WSL2 when you're compiling your code or doing anything else with it. You're not using any of the versions of Python or or PHP or Ruby or anything else that's installed on Windows. You're using the Linux versions. You're using Linux commands in the terminal and your files are, you know, being accessed, you know, in in native kind of real time. And then you're able to push them up to uh, wherever you want to. And that's if you're accessing local files. But if you're doing this on a remote server, basically when you configure it, it's, it's, the same sort of thing where it's like I'm in my home editor, I'm seeing all the files that I would see from my server that I would SSH into. I can SSH into it directly from VS Code. I can make my edits and push it up and it will go, it'll handle all the key stuff. It'll it'll do everything um, in real time exactly the way I want it to. It's amazing. The way that the tunneling works is super easy to set up. It's fantastic. Like it's unreal. And so- WSL2 keeps getting better like they just added in in a preview version this week that they support accessing um linux formatted disks and things like ext4 within windows explorer and wsl2 so you can mount external disks that you can then have access to both from windows explorer or within wsl2 even if it is on like it's a completely different disk. It doesn't work with partitions yet. It's just, it works with full disk, but you can mount those now, which is pretty awesome. Wow. I, uh, like, have you ever played with Netcat? Yeah. Like, I, I spent time trying to recreate Armate using Netcat and uh, SSH listeners um, and just being able to uh, edit locally and and have it affect remotely. And it's a mess. I, I, I'm mm-hmm. impressed by what you're describing. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm putting a link in our um, uh, document to the remote overview because it is awesome. So for anybody who wants to do anything, also the way it works with containers is amazing. If you ever do anything with containers, you want to use the remote extension because it really makes it easy to do. You can either connect via SSH uh, using a VM, you can also work with like a sandbox, like container-based, like tool chain if you want to mount directly into a container, um, and and you can do that off of basically any container, um, including kind of a remote machine, and and you can do it, you know, um, from from WSL two. It's it's really good. Um, there's also a new thing. It's in preview right now. Uh, it's in, it's in private beta, but it's going to be opening up more broad, broadly called um, Visual Studio. Uh, excuse me, 
uh, GitHub code spaces, Visual Studio code spaces is being deprecated and being rolled into GitHub code spaces. And what this is, is it's Visual Studio code in the browser. But in this case, it is something that you can kick off directly from a GitHub repo. And it'll basically spin up an instance in the cloud of Visual Studio code that you can access in the browser or if you mm-hmm. wanted to in, in the native app. Yeah. But the cool thing is, is that it, it uses containers. So if you wanted, for instance, to say, okay, it, it'll basically create, you know, like it's your own VM or like an instance of your project. It'll basically say, okay, I'm going to spin up these containers in these situations and this infrastructure that I have access to, I don't have to download everything on my own. I don't have to worry about configuring my own system to match what my server is. I can just have this instance that's running identically and I can access it either in my web browser. And this also means on the iPad, or if I want to use the remote extension, I can access that cloud instance in my like full fledged, um, you know, application, but everything I'm accessing is, is going through like that, that cloud instance. And, and um, just like I'm, I was just like, if it were my own machine. That's some crazy shit, Christina. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Sorry to to nerd out about that, but this is, this is the stuff that I'm, that I get to see that we work on that is like some of the most exciting stuff. You are in the right job for you. (laughs) Totally. Um, Since we're, since we're getting super nerdy, what's your cable situation like? (sighs) Oh, My too. I'm I'm looking for cable management tips. Uh, I wish I could help you. <laughs> I I have a tip. Um, I can't remember what they're called now. Uh, they're one ties or something like that. They're okay. The, it's this roll you get of little Velcro cable wraps, and it comes in a great big like. Uh, it's like a roll of tape, and you just peel off. Quick, I, I will. Whatever they're called, they'll be in the show notes. If you need what I'm about to describe, uh, check the show notes. But you can, with one hand, you can peel off, uh, uh, like I think about eight inches of of thin Velcro that you can wrap real quick around whatever, and it's easy enough to tear them if you only need like four inches to get around a smaller cable bundle. Uh, you can just grab it with your teeth and tear it. You don't need scissors or anything. Um, they're really cool, but I still, now I just basically have a bunch of neatly tied cables in a pile. I want, right. like, I want, I've seen these systems with like channel systems where all the cables are routed through neat, tidy little tubes. And yeah, I just don't understand how that works because all of my devices are in different places on my desk. So the cables come from different directions. How do people do this? So I just got one of those uplift desks. Yeah. And um, it did come with a lot of cable management stuff and I'm still not completely optimized, but it did come with one of those tubes that is really long that you can kind of, you know, migrate things through. And then it has like a um, like a wire management tray that... Mm. Um, you can store a lot of your cables in, but also your power adapters to kind of get things out of the way. Uh, and then the way that the desk works is that underneath it, you can either connect either with Velcro or with you know other types of things. Like there are ways that you can like cable manage and and, and connect things up through kind of the bottom to hide stuff. So 
um, that's what I'm I'm kind of kind of trying to look at is like how I can do it the best on my desk. Yeah. But I'm also kind of going to the place where I'm like, all right, a lot of this is just going to be about hiding it and probably not actually, <laughs> you know, I'm fixing okay. I'd the be problem. Okay. I'd be okay with hiding it, except I do run into that thing where I need to unplug one thing and it takes me five minutes just to trace its cable back to like the... the yeah. The power or the uh, surge protector. Yep. And then I have to untangle it from a thousand other cables. Yeah. And this is why I'm what I'm thinking about doing, because I it, the the cable management kit that I bought with the desk or whatever came with a surge protector and, and it's fine. It's just basic. But what I'm actually thinking of doing is getting one either from Uplift or from another company and then mounting it under the bottom of the desk so that um, I can kind of plug things in quickly and unplug things in and like focus on that being the stuff that I would frequently plug and unplug and then like let the other stuff just kind of be in that wire yeah you know patched because I'm like all right I know I'm not going to unplug this you know but <laughs> if it's ever. but if it's like right but if it's like a hard drive or you know like a um a microphone or something that gets moved around a light you know like that stuff is like okay that might need to be unplugged replugged in but there's some things I'm like this is never moving yeah. Um, and so that, 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 at least like my desk, I know at my office, RIP, uh, uh, on campus, who knows if I'll ever see that again. Um, I sure hope so. That, um, desk did have like a really nice mounted surge protector underneath the desk, which was badass because that let me plug in like my dock and, yeah you know, other stuff. And it's like, okay, I might, there might be cables from my dock that get unplugged, but the dock itself is never going to get unplugged. Like that's always going to be plugged in. And like my monitors are going to be plugged in. And there was like enough space between them that it wouldn't be hard to find stuff. So I think I, I think I need, if I'm going to actually get this cable situation under control, I need more space. I, yeah. I, I feel like the secret to not having all of your cables in a big pile is to have room to spread them out. No, I think so. I think this is this is why I got the desk that takes up my entire office. Yeah. Yeah. Mine, and I did. It's a, it's a 72 by 30, so it's Mine has a treadmill big. which also takes up a lot of space. See, this is the problem, right? Yeah, is, is you you've got the treadmill thing, which is important, but um, Is it though? I mean, I would say no, but <laughs> then I don't care about things like exercise. Mm. Oh, have I told you about my chair drama? No. Well, maybe tell me tell me and then i'll tell you if you already told me or not okay so i ordered a fifteen hundred dollar chair and um i uh i ordered okay but they, they are at least taking care of this but i ordered a fifteen hundred dollar chair and it arrived broken oh is this that gaming one from uh, herman miller yeah yeah okay you brought this chair up before i don't remember hearing it was broken yeah, no, I don't think you knew. So it is. It is. Uh, they are dealing with uh, the with the return. Um, uh, they said that um, uh, it's basically uh, that they will be be getting back to me. Um, so they will be working on that to make sure that that I will get some sort of replacement. But I haven't heard anything other than I will be receiving something about when I will get a replacement. But it arrived broken. And uh, I was on the phone with, I was on hold. I never actually got in touch with a human being, but I was on hold for about three hours one day to try to get in touch with someone. Could not. Um, 
I've had two different email communications, one email much more responsive than the other. And then the the one that was more responsive, they were like, oh, we just realized there was another thing already in motion. Please refer to that email. I'm like, but you were so much nicer and so much faster. Help me. Yeah. So I'm, I'm trying to figure that out. And of course, I've already gotten rid of the box. So I'm going to have to wait <laughs> for them to replace the box because this, this chair is massive. But yeah, it was pretty disappointing to get a chair where the back of it is is there's like supposed to be a, a thing where it's attached and like it was just clear as day snapped off and this is apparently a pretty common problem that they have um and you know they'll be able to fix it um send me a new one and they'll be able to fix it and resell it whatever but pretty disappointing when you wait a while get your chair and then it's broken yeah you, you were excited about that i was and then you, you can't you get texted a- me as you were ordering it i did i was Check so excited this out yeah. And then and then and then you know you get it and then you're like, okay, it's broken and don't know when you're going to get your replacement and I mean, I know they'll take care of me and it's it's usable until then, but it's still frustrating. Yeah. Yeah, that sucks. I'm sorry. It's okay. It's fine. It's it's all this computer stuff in general. Uh there's an <laughs> issue with the iMac as well with all the iMacs that use my video card where there is a a weird graphical glitch. There's like a 50-page thread on Mac rumors about it, and um, Apple's aware. Who knows when it will be taken care of? My personal feeling on it is that I don't see it because I have an external monitor hooked up, so I'm fine. Um, but it it is frustrating when you spend close to five thousand dollars on a computer and then it's not perfect. Yeah. But um, and and Apple has like been in contact with people and getting their their logs and stuff. It seems pretty likely that this is some sort of driver glitch with the AMD 5700 XT and uh catalina because it doesn't happen in windows it doesn't happen when you have an external monitor connected it's this weird thing but people are understandably really really pissed and but i'm kind of in this weird place where i'm like look if they won't fix it then i have no problem taking one for the team and going karen on like everybody's ass and like getting this taken care of but like i don't know what people want them to do like you can't order a replacement. It, it seems pretty clear that this is not a hardware thing. It's a software thing because every single computer has this. If it does turn out to be a hardware thing, okay, we'll hold them accountable and have some sort of replacement plan that, you know, will we'll force on them. But it's like, I would have no problem telling somebody, okay, if this is going to bother you, do not order this computer with this graphics card. Like, I have no problem saying hold off, right? But if yeah. you already have one, this this weird thing where I feel like I'm in this this bizarre situation where, like, me, who's the most uptight and like I want to speak to your manager if things aren't perfect person like I'm remarkably blase about it because I'm kind of like well it's either going to get fixed or it's not I have Apple care and maybe this trust is unfounded but I do trust <laughs> them that they're going to take care of me one way or another like and if they're not American Express sure is so <laughs> right. oh shit oh shit I didn't pay with American Express I paid with Apple card oh no okay well now, All right. Now well, you're stuck. Well, Goldman Sachs, or so, you know what I mean. Like there, there will be there will be something that that will be you know uh, taken care of. But I do understand. You know, I find myself going. I, I mentioned this on Twitter that I find myself becoming more and more like John Syracuse all the time. And um, this is the sort of thing that would drive John Syracuse insane. But since I don't see it. And even if though I'm aware of it, I don't love it. I'm kind of like, all right, I'm just going to like let this go as as far as, you know, I can until if if, if, if they if, if they try to kind of 
seem like we're not going to fix this and, and we're going to um, kind of let you suffer. That's when, you know, you have hell to pay. But until then, I'm like, we can't do this overnight. Like, this isn't going to be fixed, yeah. you know, immediately. I'm I'm okay with just, like, waiting, which maybe that's growth. My rabbi has a new iMac that uh, is having USB issues, like weird, undiagnosable USB issues where like power clicks on and clicks off or hard drives operate, but frequently get like if he is backing up to time machine, it'll have frequent errors that seem like they can be traced back to USB glitches. And it, it doesn't seem to be a specific port. And it's just all this weirdness going on that all centers around USB. And interesting he seems reticent to contact support so he keeps contacting me um as a as a good jew i do my best to help my rabbi he's not really my he he's a rabbi that i really like so i guess that makes him mine right yeah yeah i mean i I don't know if you can call yourself a good jew i cannot although he tells me that in his in his uh, Reform Judaism congregation, they have atheists. Oh, that's actually pretty awesome. It is pretty awesome. Like, it, it is not... Reform Judaism is about... Uh, I, I don't want to put words in his mouth. There's a His interview with me for Systematic is coming out... Uh, by the time this goes live, it'll be out tomorrow. So if you want to hear from Rabbi Eric Linder, check out Systematic tomorrow um systematicpod.com what do you want to promote uh i want to promote rocket uh on uh relay fm um relay.fm slash or relayfm.com slash rocket um we are getting close on 300 episodes wow which is amazing and we're gonna have a a big thing with that which will encompass us mostly me eating really terrible flavored candy corn um, out of punishment because I didn't clean my office. Uh, although I might be able to like lose some uh, some candy corns that I have to eat, but yeah, um, <laughs> I'm um uh rock ro- rock yeah rocket. I can't believe we've been doing it as long as we've been doing it. Um, and you and I, we've actually been doing overtired longer than I've been doing rocket. But rocket <laughs> has been consistent, so so you know that's that's how that works. Yeah, I've been doing. But no, but- I've been doing systematic since. Like 20, 2012, maybe? Yeah, it's been like eight years. I only have 230 some episodes, though. Yeah, no, we've been this is, Rocket is is been like kind of my most consistent podcast ever in the sense that it's like, yeah, you know what? I've been uh, <laughs> we've been doing it every week. I think we've had a couple of weeks off, but very few. We started in January of, of 2015 and um. Yeah, so I'm excited about that. But I'm excited to listen to Systematic with with your rabbi. He should just call Apple, though. How long ago did he buy the iMac? Because it sounds like there's something maybe hardware going on. I don't remember. We'll have to ask him. Yeah. I can text him right now. We we text all the time. Yeah, because so I mean... Weird. I have a rabbi. Yeah, I, I love that you have a rabbi. But I mean, I'm just saying, like, I mean, you know, uh, I do understand. I think you and I are both in those situations where we become de facto tech support. <laughs> And also, does this happen to you? Because I'm de facto tech support for everyone else, I really do hate contacting actual tech support. <laughs> um, 
I yeah no I never contact tech support. Yeah, I, same. I I I don't know if it's because of being everyone else's tech support. I just I don't like doing it. I also don't like it when people contact me. I feel like you probably more often have the answers for people than I do. Uh, plus, you can answer both Windows and Mac questions, and I haven't used Windows since the early two thousands, and would be completely oh, I can't lost. answer Windows questions. Please, <laughs> all I can do is tweet about about it, and, and usually get somebody who knows an answer. I can't answer Windows questions. Please, oh um, yeah, but you have you have uh, you have the Twitter the Twitter hive mind at your disposal. This is actually very true, which is very helpful. The only problem with I will say this, and this is actually okay. This is a weird thing. This is very interesting. I hadn't thought about this until now. So the Twitter hive mind, when I ask a Windows question, is much less mansplainy than the Mac than if I ask a Mac question. Really? That's yeah. That's seems counterintuitive to me. Uh same. Actually, complete same. Because I, I definitely think of the Mac as the female in the Windows Mac uh pairing. No, I, and I would I would agree with you on that. But yet, if I ask a question for about iOS or macOS, and I'm coming at this from a place of being like, the only reason I'm asking is because this is weird. I get all of the mansplainy, reset your PRAM, reset your, you know, this <laughs> and that. And I'm like, your NVRAM. I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, you know, I'm like, seriously, shut up. This is a weird thing. Like, this is this is not a unique thing that I'm trying to tell you. Obviously, I know all these basic steps I'm saying, if this has happened in a weird way, what's going on? And all I will get is like the most mansplainy answers. And if it's a Windows thing, even if it's something like really weird with SharePoint or something, which, you know, God, they, they talk about the people who do like the the really like unloved work, people who are SharePoint admins, because that software is an abomination, yet it is responsible for so much of so much enterprise stuff. And man, I have nothing but respect for those people. We don't we don't like love them enough. But but if I ask questions about that, I get really good answers that aren't making assumptions that I'm an idiot. <laughs> like yeah. it, it's a really weird thing where the assumption is not you're a moron and you don't know anything and you haven't tried stuff. It's like, huh, that's interesting. Have you looked at this or this? You know what I mean? Like it's yeah, I not think I think that might be part of the reason I don't call tech support is because I always have to start the conversation at that point where they assume I'm an idiot. The, at yes. the have you tried rebooting? And I like right. asking questions in places where people know they give me the respect that if I haven't figured this out yet, it means I've tried all of the obvious stuff. And exactly. Uh, there's a foundation that they can start with. And yeah, it drives me nuts when. I feel like I have to explain to people that I do know what I'm doing. Yes, you're 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 exactly correct. And it's so funny. Um, I actually ran into that recently, not that recently, I guess a couple months ago with um an Apple um uh care thing because I needed to get my iPad replaced because the battery was not lasting, it was hot. It had actually been an issue since I got the iPad. To be totally honest, I noticed it basically the week I got the iPad Pro. And it's a 2018. I noticed basically the week I got it that it was probably not performing the way that it should have been. It was getting really hot and the battery would would drain really quickly. And um, I just kind of let it go because it wasn't that big of a deal. And then finally, it was getting to the point, especially as I'm using my iPad Pro more and more. And I'm like, all right, you know, I need to just get this replaced. I have Apple Care for a reason. Just get this replaced. And 
Um, and it was getting really, really hot all the time, um, even when like, nothing was running. And like, you, you know, you could just see the battery just draining. So I call Apple Care because I can't go into the stores. And um, they're nice enough, but she tries to kind of walk me through some troubleshooting processes. And she tries to walk me through a troubleshooting process where she's like, well, can you enable the low battery mode? And I'm like, but this is an iPad. And she's like, right. And I'm like, there's not a low battery. There's not a low battery <laughs> mode on, on, on iPad OS. And like, she didn't know that. <laughs> and, and I'm, I'm like, okay, That's you know, and finally I was in my binder. Exactly. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm like, yeah, no, this is, this is not a thing in, in iPad OS. And, and I, you know, had to kind of talk a little more and I was like, look, I'm telling you, I can tell what this is. Like this, this seems, I think she, finally, I think she's got frustrated enough. She was like, well, we'll just send you a replacement. I was like, thank you. That's all I wanted. Yeah. So I mailed off, you know, the, the replacement and um, they sent me the new one. I sent off the old one. Fine. Um, but yeah, that like kind of reminded me where I'm like, yeah, I'm calling these places. And like you, like there was a time when I used to have to call tech support more frequently where I would almost immediately always ask for like a level two tech. I would almost immediately just right. be like, look, you need to, I just need to speak to a supervisor. I just need to go to a level two, level three person. When I would call for, I learned that trick ironically from Comcast because <laughs> I remember, I remember I was having cable modem issues and they were again, like treating me like I was an idiot. And it was actually it turned out to be a much more significant, like technical problem with the lines itself. And it was um, the, the tech who was finally like, cause I, I was getting the runaround. I was really frustrated and I was like 19 or 20 and, and he was like, okay, so in the future, you know, to, because this is this, he was like, you're right. This is the sort of thing you need to come to me for. He was like, just ask for a level two or a level three tech. And that's how you can, you can bypass all of the, have you, have you plugged in your cable modem? You know, have yeah. you reset your router? Have right, you done that right. stuff? And I'm like, and I'm like, and I'm like, no, this is a line issue. This is not like a me issue. Like I, I have other things on my network that are running. This is, this yeah. is not the problem. Um, so Sometimes that'll work. Sometimes it won't. But yeah, that is always the most frustrating thing when you have to prove your your worth. Now, fortunately, being a woman on the internet, Brett, uh, <laughs> I have a lifetime of history in having to assert myself yeah. to say, no, no, I'm not a moron, yeah. actually. Um, yeah. I've, watched, when I, when I've I watched this phenomenon. I, I constantly am thankful I'm not a woman on the internet. Uh, and also I feel awful for so many of the women that I see having just the <laughs> daily shit they have to go through that wouldn't happen yeah. if they just changed their avatar to a guy and changed their name to a guy name. I know if I went by Chris instead of Christina, right. pff, my life would be so much easier. No, it's, um, when I was a journalist as like my full-time career, when I would talk to technical people. I got into this habit that I, you know, tried to kind of at towards the the last few years, I tried to kind of back off on because I, I felt really defensive about it. But early on, one of the things I felt like I had to do almost immediately was if I was interviewing somebody about some sort of technical thing was was assert my technical skill level within my first or second question. Yeah. Just so they would treat me as like not just a dumb reporter. Yeah. Um, and. And I can understand, honestly, why they would. I don't, I don't even know how much of that was a gendered thing. I think there's a subconscious gendered part of that. But I, that I don't even completely blame people who are doing that on because it's like you talk to a lot of people who are not going to be at that level. Yeah. But 
it, for me, it was always really important to kind of like I would need to almost like make the assertion be like, no, I I'm not an idiot. I know what we're talking about. Yeah, so, I, I feel like I have to do that in some situations and I can imagine what it, what it would be like to pretty much always have to do that to never to never have the uh, starting assumption that you know what you're doing. Yeah, I no, feel like that's I get, exactly it. I feel like people assume way too often that I know what I'm doing. Yeah, no, I think you're you you, per, you perfectly summed it up. The starting you never have the starting assumption that you know what you're doing ever. So check this out. Um, I have wrap it up music. This is the huh. uh, this is the you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here music. <laughs> yes, let's hear this. It, it's playing right now. It's soft so that we can keep talking over it. I love it. I love it. This is this is this is a good beat. I'm a, I'm a fan of this. Yeah, it's uh, it's got a little Congo action. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So this is like this is what we play as we as we wrap up and we say what we're gonna have for homework because we didn't do any homework this week. We we're supposed to talk about reality bites, which I feel the moment has passed on. Um, yeah. Yeah, I feel like the moment has passed on that. Although, did you get invited to the plucks that uh, I told James to invite you to? I stopped looking for invites. I will I will check tonight. Um, but I didn't get any notification of an invite. Oh, oh, real quick, because the, this this all did. The, um, he created this after we recorded our episode. But uh, um, Christina Warren, um, what's the website? Uh, he basically oh, right. created a, 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 a Christina a Warren is a bad influence or something like that. Yes, is a bad influence.com. Um, yes, Christina Warren is a bad influence.com. If you go there and we will have this in the show notes, it is it is a Quimu, uh, Kimu, however the however the hell you say it, session of uh, Hannah Montana Linux. Yay. That anybody can play for and access in the browser. <laughs> so, James, thank you very, very much for that. Uh, both the URL and the website are amazing. And that is uh, maybe one of my favorite things that anybody has ever created to troll me. Ever. I can't believe it took you this long in, into the show to to give that shout out. I can't either. I think I blame it on the fact that I was very tired when we recorded this episode. And I'd already delayed it by three hours. So that's what I'm putting that on in, in classic overtired fashion. All right. Well, um, I I would say that it, I would like next week. I think I would like to talk about the new Hulu show Woke. OK, I will start watching it. Give it a couple episodes. The first one, like it's hard to tell where it's going with just the first episode. So you need two episodes to get an understanding of the premise itself uh okay so watch two and then if you feel like watching more feel free but i need to watch some more myself before i'm absolutely sure that it's worth talking about uh but right now i'm super intrigued by it okay i will check that out and um we, we didn't talk about the the beanie feldstein um movie that i rented um that you recommended to me but that did remind me of have you seen book smart oh no not yet Okay, you need to watch Book Smart, which uh, was one of my favorite movies. I could not convince my girlfriend to watch it with me, so I, I have it's to watch fantastic. it. It's fantastic. Yeah, she might actually. I think she'd really like it. I will. I will tell her you said so. It's really, really, really good. And Olivia Wilde directed it. And Olivia Wilde is a hell of a director. She actually has just been announced that she's going to be directing the next Spider-Man film, um, which is pretty awesome. And um, 
yeah, but uh, but no, but Booksmart is really good. But it made me think of that since um, uh, Beanie Feldstein is in the other movie that you recommended um, that uh, that I watched. How to Build a Girl. Exactly. Yeah, we we got we, we need them. Okay, next time we're having a movie section for sure. All right, we're having we're having a movie section for sure. All right, so is I will this, watch Woke. Is this music making you tense? A little bit. Yeah, me too. I think that was the whole point, though. It's supposed to like convince us to wrap up. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think I think we keep it, but I don't know. Well, you just turned it off, but yeah. Um, okay, so so next episode we will have like a whole section on movies. Uh, I will watch Woke. You will watch Book Smart, and uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, Book Smart. All right, I got it. I got my homework. I'm good. All right. All well. right, Brett. All right. Well, take care of yourself. Um, you know, hope that everything can kind of come back more to normal. Yeah, I'm about your, to. Uh... I'm. A, I I just slept last night, uh, so the the manic episode is over, but I'm about to very likely head into depression for a few days here. So, wish me <sighs> luck. All right, I'm wishing you luck. But at least you got your meds right for your your ADHD yes. stuff. All right, that's good at least because that there'd be nothing worse than having the <laughs> the depression and no meds. Yes. That, that those those days are awful. Those are not get out of bed days. Agreed. Have been there. Not recommended. So, all right. Well, Brett, get some sleep. Take care of yourself. Get some sleep, Christina. The system is going down low.